0: As many of our UNT students face unexpected challenges and expenses related to the coronavirus, the new UNT Cares Fund is here to help them persevere. Gifts made to this special fund will meet short-term needs so our students can continue to have long-term success. Visit one.unt.edu slash untcares to make a gift today. Your generosity will go a long way in helping UNT students stay safe, healthy, and on track to graduate. You're listening to the OLLI at UNT podcast, recorded at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas. This podcast features interviews with the faculty, members, and staff who are a part of OLLI at UNT's community of lifelong learners. To learn more about our program, please visit our website, olli.unt.edu or send us an email at, O-L-L-I at unt.edu. Now, let's join our host, Ollie at UNT member, Susan Supack.
1: This is Susan Supack speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas, known to most of us as Ollie. I'm speaking today with K.M. Johnson Davis, the CEO and founder of Everything's Eventful, one of the fastest growing business and event counseling firms in North America whose clients include the GAP, FEMA, and the U.S. Army. KM earned a Bachelor of Science degree in business from Florida A&M University and a second Bachelor degree in theology for the Bible Studies Institute in Houston. She is an ordained minister and an international motivational speaker, having spoken in over seven countries on three continents, as well as the author of several books, including Knowing the Struggle is Over and It Starts With You, among several others. K.M. is a regular lecturer right here at OLLI and a former officer in the U.S. Army, having been assigned to NATO and deployed to both Bosnia and Iraq. Thank you so much for your service and welcome. Thank
2: you, Susan, and thank you for having me.
1: I would imagine that your service as an Army officer was quite helpful in developing the leadership skills that have guided you through establishing several consulting and event planning companies.
2: How was your experience in your deployment to Bosnia and Iraq? You know, Susan, it's kind of interesting because when I went to Bosnia, I was actually an enlisted soldier. And when I deployed to Iraq, I was an officer. And so I was seeing both deployments from two different perspectives, so to speak, With Bosnia, I was working in the finance department, and so I had a lot of hands-on with the money. Back then, we would let soldiers come in, and I say back then, soldiers could come in and cash their payroll check or come in to cash a check to get some cash to have on hand to use at the PX, and so we actually had physical money that we would pay out to them, and I got to go on money runs out of the country into Germany and all kinds of different things you would never imagine. Whereas in Iraq, as an officer, I did a lot of traveling via every form of travel. You could probably imagine a Chinook, a helicopter, a Hilo, plane by ground in a Humvee or MRAP. I mean, every type of travel that they had to go visit all my soldiers that were stationed at different camps. So it was quite interesting. And so to answer your question, yes, it did help with a lot of my personal development and leadership skills, because here I am in all these different entities and I'm learning so much. I know that the military shaped a lot for me.
1: I would think, too, that having experienced what you did in terms of, I'm sure, a certain amount of fear that must be involved when a person goes to deployment anywhere that they're not familiar with would have to help you in developing the kinds of things you talk to when you are consulting or when you are doing your public speaking in terms of working to develop a plan and motivating yourself
2: and all of the other things that you talk about in these groups. I would agree. One of the biggest things that I always like to attribute my experience and to the deployments and just being in the military as a whole uh, when it comes to my businesses is the fact that there was a lot of diversity. And so the diversity with the different cultures, the different age groups, people of different backgrounds, and this then also just going to different countries in itself. So When I joined the military, I joined the military at the age of 17 and the delayed entry program, it was a program that they had at the time where you could join when you were in high school. You signed your commitment, but you didn't leave until you turned 18. And so I pretty much grew up in the military, going out of Mississippi, you know, I'm a Mississippi girl. And so coming out of Mississippi and going to Fort Jackson, South Carolina for my training and then to Fort Hood, Texas, right here in Texas, up the street in Killeen, just going to those places for the first time and being immersed with all these different people was eye-opening to me. and Then my first deployment was out of Fort Hood to Bosnia. So Again, that was eye-opening. I got to experience a little bit of the culture there too. There was fear, but it wasn't as much as you would expect, not in Bosnia necessarily. The last part of our tour, the base did get shut down and we had to move all the civilians off of the base. We had to wear our full gear, the helmet and our Black vest carry our weapon everywhere we went because there was an alert, there was a high risk, and we had to take protection and proceed with caution. So we ate MREs for a few months and it was a little bit different. There were landmines. I remember taking pictures pointing at landmines. Of course, when you look at the pictures now, you're like, I was standing next to a live Landmine. But I mean, the fear was there, but the training, I think it put a cap on the fear. And I think when you're prepared for things, that's one of the biggest things I talk about, even today is preparation. So when you're prepared for what's to come, it puts a a damper on what it is. It doesn't make it seem, it doesn't make the fire seem as hot. When you have a fire extinguisher or you have the salt ready, if you're cooking on the stove, if you have what you need for whatever situation you're about to face, it doesn't seem as big, as bad, or as fearful. So I think that that was really good. And that's what one of the biggest things I learned through the deployments is preparation gets you ready for what's to come and it. it. helps to keep you focused so that you don't lose your marbles while you're going through it. <laughs> You have
1: such an extensive background, having spoken internationally on motivation and the process of manifesting life's goals and dreams. I hear that you did have this wonderful experience in going to these different places. How did that develop into you becoming the person that you are now and your business that you have now?
2: I really love everything about culture, every type of culture there is. And I think that that's one of the things that I guess I gained over the time of traveling, getting to know the different people direct throughout my travels, whether it was for work or whether it was for the military or just personal. And so that began to really make me say, what do I want to do? How do I want to be involved? What can I do? And one of the things that I learned in a lot of my travels is that we all have a lot in common. Right now, we're all going through the exact same thing, maybe on different levels, different scales, from different perspectives, but we're going through the same thing. And so when you start to find those common denominators, it becomes exciting. As it pertains to consulting, I always, or even event planning, I have always loved to plan. And I remember one time I was visiting Puerto Rico and I was thinking about the things that I really enjoy doing. And one of the things was that I really like to see a person be happy, not as a people pleaser, but I like to see that smile on a person's face when you know that they have that you've given them something that they wanted. And so with event planning and and even the consulting, it's like taking a person's vision and hearing it out and then being able to say, you know what? I can take what it is that you want and I'm going to bring it into fruition for you. I can bring it and place it right in front of you and you get to see exactly what you imagine. So it's the same thing with event planning. And then even in the consulting, I do a lot of consulting with the army. And so I do a lot of their welcome home ceremonies when they're coming back from deployment. And again, they'll come to me and say, this is what I want. And then I think about the soldiers and their families and what would make them happy, what would put a smile on their face. And then I go and try to bring that to fruition. So I think the traveling, the culture, and just getting to know people and knowing that we, we all want to feel special. We all want to feel acknowledged and understood and heard, and we want to feel appreciated. That's a common denominator across the world. And so I bring that into my businesses.
1: Well, all of this goes right along with the course that you have taught at OLLI called, and I love this title, It's Never Too Late to Dream. That's particularly relevant in light of the fact that our membership is for people who are 55 years old and older. What do you tell people who are at this stage of life, the stage where most of our OLLI members are, about visualizing and exploring the idea of unmet dreams and desires?
2: Well, once I finish convincing them that they can dream (laughs) and that they haven't done everything in the world, (laughs) because then I'm able to kind of get them to see that some of those things that they put off in the past are still possible. A lot of times we as a people, tend to start off on one path and then little distractions along the way get us off course. So for instance, you may get married, you might have children, you might, you might take a different path. You might've thought you were going to go to college, but you ended up working and then going to college, or you went to college, you thought you were going to work in one career, and then you ended up in a different career, whatever it might be, but something might've changed along the way. But I strongly believe that who we are, our desires and our passions are always constant. We are always going to be that person at our very core. And so those desires that we've had, the things that we've wanted to experience are always going to remain. They're going to nag at you. You're, if you never got around to it, if you wanted to be a teacher or you had you wanted to parasail or you've always wanted to work on I don't know, maybe some cars or something, whatever it might be, whatever that was that you wanted to do a long time ago, it's still there. It's still relevant. It's still pertinent and you can still accomplish it. When people get to a certain age, they begin to think that it's too late. There's no such thing. Colonel Sanders was what, in his 60s, 70s before he created Kentucky Fried Chicken? Yeah, look at
1: Grandma Moses. (laughs) Wasn't she in her 80s when she started her artwork?
2: Exactly. It's a matter of doing what you want to do, doing what it is that you've always dreamt of, no matter what your age is. It's always about the start, not the finish, necessarily. We always focus on the end of a thing, but what good is the end if there is no beginning?
1: I know you focus very much on decision-making skills, and you brought up planning. Before. Are there other things that you tell people when they're confronted by a decision or they're trying to follow through on their dreams? What sorts of things do you recommend for decision making skills?
2: Well, generally, when we start working on their dreams, we actually do a vision board. We actually go through the process of figuring out what it is that they want to focus on at the moment, really zeroing in on those things, and then creating a vision board with a strategy to go alongside it. And so that's been pretty fun in the past. Some people get a little overwhelmed by it because they've never experienced the vision board process and others really enjoy it. I've heard some that have said that that's really therapeutic. But what that does is it helps you to get all of your thoughts out of your head. And so there's so many different ways you can go about it. I tell people sometimes to just get a piece of paper, get a pen or pencil, and begin to write out every thought, every idea that you've ever had of anything that you want to create, design, do, be, go, whatever. Write it all out in a piece of paper. A lot of my younger clients, what I'll tell them to do is, start to look at each of those items and look at which one you can accomplish the soonest. So if you put on there, I don't know, that you've always wanted to go test drive a certain vehicle. That's something you can do immediately. So put that at the top of your list and then just number everything that you've written down after you've dumped. Number everything in in the order that it would take for you to complete them and then begin to work towards them. So that's one way of helping towards that planning process. That's a real simple and easy way to get that done. And then with the vision board process, it would go a little bit deeper because you're really gonna explore who you are first. I think that's the part that always stumps everyone. I've even had one lady, I think she was 74, and she said, KM, I don't think I know who I am. While you might see that as something sad, it's not necessarily sad because when you first realize that, wait a minute, I haven't actually lived my life to my fullest. I haven't actually done the things that I enjoy. I've lost who I am. That's the start of finding and becoming who you truly are and doing the things that you enjoy. And so that's a good thing in a sense. And
1: I love the thought that even at 75 or beyond, people can still use these tools to discover what it is they really want to do and not to buy into the ageisms of it being too late, like it's time to shut down and not do anything. I love the fact that these are tools that people can use and they can discover who they are and what they really want to do.
2: Have you ever heard the phrase die trying? I think of that phrase sometimes when I'm teaching people, I'm saying, Go and do whatever it is that you want to do. You wouldn't want to say that you never got the opportunity to do it. I'd rather say that I did it, but I'll just die trying. (laughs) I
1: love that. That's such a great expression. Now, your book, Knowing the Struggle is Over, stemmed from the aftermath of the Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Harvey. This must have definitely struck home for you. What was it about these events that led you to ride book
2: when you go through a certain situation, when you go through different situations in your life, you get a little frustrated. You think that there's no end to the situation. And so I was going through a series of events. I left home. I actually moved to New York from Mississippi. And then, you know, I took the long way to Texas is what I like to say. I, <laughs> I, I was in Tallahassee. I had just graduated college, went home to Mississippi for, I think I was taking a job there, and then that's when the hurricane hit. And then after the hurricane, the job relocated me to New York. I was in New York for about a year, and then I decided that I was going to move. And I went to Seattle from there, and then down to Texas. And You so, did take the long way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I got to Houston at the time, there was a lot going on. I was trying to adjust, trying to get my footing joining my new military unit, you know, it was a lot. And so there was a lot of people from New Orleans and Houston. I don't know if there was a whole lot of people from Mississippi, but there were a lot of people from Louisiana. You know, I would come across a few people, but it still wasn't like being around people that I knew. I was pretty much by myself. And so there came a time where I was at my new unit and it was one of the days that I guess it was a lot going on. And I just said, God, what is it that you really want me to do? And I just felt the unction to sit down and write this book, knowing the struggle is over. I mean, everything was going wrong. Nothing was going right. And now I'm going to write a book telling you that everything is okay. And what's so interesting about the book is that throughout the course of me writing the book, I probably was at one of my lowest points in my life at the start of it. But by the end of it, I had deployed to Iraq, paid off thousands of dollars of debt, gone on a book tour, met my husband. I mean, things had changed dramatically by the end of the book. And so who knew that me writing that book would help me work through my situation? And so knowing the struggle was over was really attributed to that mostly. And then the project Weathering the Storm, I created that after the fact because I remembered when I was right after Hurricane Katrina, everything that had happened and how I felt. And I just wanted to be able to give that back to other people that when they go through something, let me help you to feel, you know, motivated, happy, appreciated, and all the things that I mentioned earlier that we all have in common that we look for.
1: And the nonprofit Weathering the Storm, that was to provide relief for victims?
2: Not necessarily relief, because at my level, I couldn't provide the financial. But I thought about when my mother and I, Wanted to go take a shower and we went to try to find a hotel room or we were looking for Some of the hygiene products that we were used to using like people donate and very thankful You know, we were very thankful for all the donations But one of the things I noticed is that when we donate things Unfortunately, a lot of times we do donate the things that we Don't want anymore or we'll find like the least expensive item, especially if we're trying to donate in bulk and that's fine and so I thought, why not send out packages that say, hey, this is not much, but this is just like for one night, you can have that name brand shower gel or a little bit of perfume or spray from Victoria's Secret or a perfume just to make you feel a little special or a cologne or this nice aftershave, just something, just a little box that says, we're thinking of you, you are special, you are worth it and who you were before you can become again. So this is just a season that you're going through.
1: That's really terrific. I'm sure it made a difference in a person's life, probably many people's lives, to get something like that just to know that somebody cared and to have a little treat. That's really wonderful. As a contributing writer for Lifehacker and Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global, which I understand she formed as a result of her collapse from exhaustion due to her incredibly busy schedule resulting from running the successful Huffington Post. Mm -hmm. What do you find that people are most interested in reading and learning in regards to taking control of their lives. We all normally, not right now, everything's kind of quiet right now, but we normally have lives that are just busy beyond comprehension. And what do you find that people need to hear about that?
2: Well, honestly, I see a lot of people reading a lot of articles on how to actually exactly what you said how to, how to put, get some control in their life you know how to be a little bit more streamlined how to simplify how to get more rest how to make a schedule like a morning routine or an evening routine how to bring calm and peace in their lives and a lot of times I write about more of the the inner person just really searching out who you are and how to know who you are, how who you were created to be. I think I wrote an article on entrepreneurship. Are you an entrepreneur versus a, a business owner? And it seems like people really like to know because they're really trying to understand themselves. What's the difference? Well, I won't go all the way into it. <laughs> the,
1: the, the condensed version. What's the, the difference between an entrepreneur and a business person?
2: So the short of it is most entrepreneurs have the mindset to just start a business and then sell. That's a short that you would get for most people. And then a business owner is exactly what it says. I own a business. Now, most business owners, unfortunately, are actually self-employed. And so that's where the conversation usually gets a little heavy. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. But as long as you are working in your business daily, working in and not on your business, then you are self-employed. When you begin to work on your business, you become a business owner, and as and when you are an entrepreneur, you usually own multiple businesses, and you have fairly new ideas that you've created yourself. That you're very innovative.
1: Oh, okay, that makes sense. Now, you and I are speaking at a time that is unprecedented. I know we talked about people being so very busy, but right now, if people listen to this podcast much later when things hopefully do get back to normal, but right now. We're going through the situation with the coronavirus. You and I are recording this via computer. We're not Mm -hmm. meeting face to face. Many things have been closed. People have been asked to socially isolate. Every time you look at a newspaper or you turn on your TV, there's always very stressful information. What would you say to people right now?
2: I would just say to stay calm and continue to be motivated. Honestly, a lot of the things that I've been telling people is to find something in this situation that's good. So I know we can look at everything that's being said, like you said, the newspapers and the the TV and all the different newscasters. But if you find something out of it that can be good, what are you gaining from this? A lot of us are gaining some things. You mentioned multiple times how busy we normally are. We're gaining a period of rest. Yes, you might have to be concerned about social distancing, or you might have to be concerned about other things. But honestly, you really don't have to be concerned. It's what you choose to be concerned with. If we just Focus on, okay, wait a minute. I have time to enjoy my home. I have time to maybe organize that closet that I've been putting away. I've actually organized several cabinets since, you know, this I has always started. say it
1: took a pandemic for me to get my closet organized.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, I think we're going to start on the garage next, but you know, make make the most of it, you know, make the most of it. It's also
1: time to start reading again, pick up some good books. And another thing that I find that we're so fortunate with right now is that we have so much available to us online. I know with Ollie... The staff has done a remarkable job of posting different videos from all over, and one of which would be live streaming from the Met, the Opera, or other classes. And we were just talking earlier about the fact that there may be some things that come out of this, as you said, that are pluses that we can carry through. For instance, the program that we're using right now to record the podcast so that We don't have to meet face-to-face, although I miss seeing your face, your lovely face while we're talking, but it's an opportunity to be able to explore different avenues to do things. And that
2: That's exactly what I'm saying. Like people are taking it negatively and not realizing that this is an opportunity to do things differently. It's an opportunity to start learning those things that you've put off. It's an opportunity to change the way you deliver information that you've delivered in the past. I work with some churches, usually smaller ministries, smaller churches. I do a little bit of consulting with them. And a lot of them are not even set up to do anything digitally. This has been a thing that churches have been doing for years. And now this whole pandemic has forced them to have to figure out how do I stream? How do I teleconference? How do I set up my Facebook account? How do I get on IGTV? How do I set up a YouTube channel? Like now it's becoming important and pertinent. And these are becoming things that they want to do because this is the only platform that they have available.
1: So it's important to find the silver linings and not just the hype of the bad news. Right. I would imagine that that's applicable even when events of life return to normal.
2: And it's not about being positive, Patty, or, or, you know, just being overly positive about situations, but it's about just really seeing it for what it is and then making the most of it. And I think that helps to bring a little peace and calm to a situation too. Like when you say, okay, this is what it is. There is nothing I can do to change it at this moment, other than the things that I have been directed and instructed and guided to do. I do my part. And now what do I do? I find something that I can make out of this.
1: KM, I understand that you have a new class also that is being postponed with all the events. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yes. I have two classes, I believe, that I had that I'm going to be teaching. They got canceled because of everything. But one is Social Media 101. We will be going over the basics of social media, setting up different accounts like the ones that I mentioned earlier YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Instagram even, and we might do a little bit of Snapchat. I don't know. I might even show you some TikTok, but (laughs) just so that you have (laughs) an idea of how the different platforms work and then setting up like your security features, your profiles and your privacy features and all of that. And then the other class is start your own blog. I have a lot of friends that want to blog. I've been blogging for over a decade and blogging is a wonderful thing. It's a great way to interact with your family and friends. It's a great way to just put your, just get your feelings out, your thoughts out. That's how I started. And, you know, you just go from there. And so we'll work on that. And both classes are interactive. You actually bring your device and we actually do everything right there. We set up your account. We go through all the steps right there. Oh,
1: that's terrific. I can't wait for it to be able to be released. And... I just can't thank you enough for joining me today. All of this information is so helpful, particularly in light of the situations that are going on now. But even when things go back to normal, there's some really terrific information. So thank you for joining us.
2: Glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
1: This has been Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas with K.M. Johnson Davis. Thanks for listening.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please go back and listen to our previous interviews, which you can find on our website, olli.unt.edu podcast, or by searching for the OLLI at UNT podcast in your favorite podcast app. While you're in the app, don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating. We also encourage you to share our podcast with your family and friends. Join us again next week for another episode.